0: Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This
1: episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive?
2: Are you off next week? All oh, of next week? All of next is that week? That's true. Yep. Is that that all is true. Week? Yep. That's great, man. I can't Are wait. You, it was supposed to be a normal staycation. You gonna be okay? What do we need a staycation
1: from? What do we do? We don't do anything. Let's not be too candid with the world so that they realize we don't really work.
2: Oh, it's great. I'm taking off. Screw you. I don't want to be with you for a week. That's what it is. Okay. Nice. Then it got weird. You going streaking somewhere? Then came the obsession.
1: Chris Sims off this week Chris Sims he had to have a week off he needed a break (sighs) from the vacation that is his life the schedules different every day all because Sims can't hack it and needed to have a week off where's Chris where's Chris I'm getting emails where's Chris where's Chris staycation obsession
2: (laughs) rated NC 17 for terrible language
1: just be glad I have pants on Oh, that was something. <laughs> that was amazing. That's that's a hell of a way to start the week. Man, the one that gets a week off, and I'm the one that gets ripped for it. Why is it always me? What, what did I do? Well,
2: what are, you, what are you talking about? What did you get ripped for? You just there was a whole segment of you ripping me for a week. Why I wasn't here? What are you talking about? First of all,
1: <laughs> first of all, the makeup shot is out of bounds. Control room, I'm throwing the challenge flag. That is proprietary information. We both wear makeup, and yes, we if do. we're gonna have shots of pre-show makeup application. We need to have some of Chris with his brush, with his roller, with his feather duster, whatever else he uses to cover his five head with paint before we
2: start. So, Uh-oh. welcome back. Oh, yeah. H- thanks, how was Cancun? Is anybody in Cancun we know? You know, I saw this guy Fled Cruz there. Uh, <laughs> no, I did. Oddly enough, actually, this is hilarious. My brother in law was there. At the hotel, so my brother-in-law Brian Toll, no, I know, stop, stop, I know, stop. but like it was unbelievable. He was texting me and all that stop. stuff. So I'll stop, stop there. But it was funny. It was just funny. All there. right, so ironic. D- but good d- to be back. Does your brother-in-law does your brother-in-law tuck his polo shirt into his jeans? I don't think he does. I don't. No, he's uh, no, he does not. <laughs> but either way, it was pretty funny, right? Uh, either way, you and, know, it's it, it's funny. It, 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 here's what's funny. Yeah. My son's
1: been telling me for a long time, don't tuck polo shirts into jeans. And I never realized how bad of a look that was until last week. That's all I'm saying.
2: That's all I'm saying. I mean, but seriously, to get back on topic, like you just you had a like just crap on me every day every day you yes, get, yeah, yes. Good, good that's how it goes okay. that's the
1: Italian way whoever doesn't show up for the meeting is the one who gets talked about that's how it works oh
2: I trust me I'm married to a Sicilian I know exactly how the crapping on you when you're not there goes don't you worry I know all about it thank you uh, I, there, there's a club here locally
1: a bunch of Italian guys and yeah that's that's why they all show up because they know if they don't show up they're the ones who get talked about for the whole meeting sure so. sure
2: All right. Well, it's good to see you. It is good to be back. It was a boring staycation week. It really was. And I'm trying to get back on schedule. A lot of detox last week, as I told you through text, you know, no retox, only detox. I'm trying to get back. The pandemic, as I know, even you have had, you know, you've you've been talking about it with me too. It just, hey, it's one too many drinks every week and, you know, one too many puffs of the cigar and all that. And I just, I, I had enough. So I really tried last week to get back on schedule, and we'll see if I uh, can, can accomplish that as we go forward.
1: Well, my humidor is stocked
2: in a far different way than, than yours. <laughs> yes, it is. Mine like smells that. different.
1: Did you, did you get to hang out with Tom
2: Brady at all last week? Did you
1: no. See him at all why,
2: why would he want to hang out with me? He's well, laid. that's what I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> okay, good. I don't Tom know how Brady. you
1: got dragged in. I don't know how you got dragged into my snarky comment about Tom Brady. Oh, I, well,
2: although you you injected yourself into it. I did. It. I did. I I couldn't help it. You know, that's the problem with Twitter. You look at it and then you realize, oh wait, your voice is in this video, and then you start to look at comments, and then I just I couldn't help it. So yeah, I got dragged into that a little bit.
1: See, you have something I don't have. You have a manual override. Others who will delete your tweets. I don't. <laughs> Maybe I should get that. Yeah, you should. I'm operating without a net. You've got a net. I, I heard about some of your deleted tweets. They're actually far better than the ones that made it through the filter. Thank you. But, uh, that's, Thank you. That's a topic for another day. Oh, that, is, that was awesome as well. That was awesome. <laughs> and I is. laughed at that and had a lot of fun
2: with that. <laughs> <laughs> Can I touch that it, please, good. Tommy? Please let me touch. me. never have Super Bowl ring, please. Uh, that was really good. It, the Boston Mafia crushed me, though, with some of my comments, of course. How close did you get to the trophy when your dad won the first one? 87. Like, like um, they gave replicas, right, as far as to, to all the guys on the team. You know, not the actual size, but ones that are just a little bit smaller that my dad has in the house. I would never really touched the original. Back, you know, back in those days, it was rare for the family to be on the field and do those type of stuff, right? I mean, it just wasn't that way. I, I waited out you know, by the buses and, and, and the locker room out there where the families waited until the team and the players came out. And that's really a way, the way it was. So I never got to touch that that Super Bowl trophy. Well,
1: uh, maybe one of these days when you're the general manager of a team, you will. Oh, thank you. Hopefully that won't happen anytime soon. It's not. But uh, I, and, and, and look, part of the reason that you got called out last week and uh, – yeah, You have done a great job over the past few years of evaluating quarterbacks, and people want to take issue with that. They're not watching the show if they think that you don't. Yeah. You do. Thank You've you. done a great job of flagging the and, – and that's one of the hardest things to do in football, figuring out which of the quarterbacks are going to be good and which ones are going to be crap because there's five every year, roughly five. Right. And we don't know, and we spend – All this time, February, March, April, hearing all these different opinions about it, and you've consistently nailed it since 2017, really since as long as I've known you. So, Thanks, man. uh, Anyone out there who doubts it, the information is public. Just put in the time. Use the elbow grease. You'll find it. It's not that hard. But uh, Chris has been nailing it.
2: So thanks, uh, dude. I appreciate that. That makes up for that whole little, you know, what, you getting on me segment right there. That's that's can very. We nice delete of you. all that from the <laughs> but, permanent record. But no, it, not like that to it make is. it to the podcast or the rear. Yeah. Well, uh, and as you know, it just with the, the Brady subject, it can get very sensitive with people at times. And I I, lo- lo- I really have tons of respect for Brady. And you know that I ninety eight out of a hundred things are always positive, but. You know, a lot of people don't watch the show. They only see things on social media, and then they don't really understand the context or all the other things you say about people at times either, which, which is really the frustrating part because you're like, no, you're, you're off base with your criticism of, of my criticism. I don't do this all the time, but either way, let's go. Let's talk football. He has become as polarizing as
1: someone else with five letters in his last name, and I'll leave it at that. Yeah. And let's move forward. The Carolina Panthers would very much like a franchise quarterback. This dates back to the All or Nothing series. David Tepper riding around in the back of an SUV, not a limo, although he could afford the largest, swankiest limo in the world, and then some. Talking about how the league is set up for everyone to be 8-8, and and how you go north or south of that depends upon the quality of your coach, your GM. Oh, and you better have a pretty good quarterback. Well, he's got the coach he wants. He's got the GM he wants. Now he wants the quarterback. They tried to get Matthew Stafford that deal didn't go through now they've pivoted to Deshaun Watson and it's funny Chris you missed this last week i don't know how much you noticed of it there was another network that shall remain nameless but has four letters in its call sign that that started off with its various writers that cover the various teams making bold predictions somehow the bold prediction for the Panthers morphed into a report that provided fuel for the whole week of content about the possibility of the Panthers sending three first-round picks and Christian McCaffrey to the Texans for Deshaun Watson. By the end of the week, the actual report, not bold prediction, was that the Panthers spent much of the week clearing cap space so they could make a run at Deshaun Watson. And I'm convinced if they don't get Deshaun Watson, they're going to pivot to someone else. Yes. David Tepper is obsessed with getting a guy who falls into that category of franchise quarterback. And it's not just Deshaun Watson. It could have been Matthew Stafford. It could be Russell Wilson if they decide to make a run at him. It could be Trevor Lawrence if all else fails and they make the Jaguars an offer they can't refuse. But Tepper has decided the time is now to get himself a quarterback that he can call a franchise quarterback. And that's becoming more and more obvious every day.
2: You know, without, without question. It, uh, there's too many signs really with what, the way Matt Rule talked about the quarterback position. Teddy Bridgewater towards the end of the year some of the, you know, hey, the season's over and now we're going to evaluate some of that. Rule has made some comments to make you think, hey, they're they're not pleased with the way their quarterback played last year, certainly. Hey, and I got we, we both got a lot of respect for Teddy Bridgewater, what he got to deal with and everything like that. But I mean, the, 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 the facts of the matter is Teddy Bridgewater at least in my opinion, is a borderline starting NFL quarterback. He is not the guy that Okay, it's a new French, you know, a, a young team. We're kind of finding our way, and he's not going to carry you and, you know, get you over the hump and win a few extra games. In fact, last year, I would argue that it was the opposite. He probably lost them a few games. Now, we saw the year before that with the New Orleans Saints when you're on the perfect team, yes, he can win, but this is not the perfect team right now. And with the weapons they have, you know that's the other thing and that's where I think it's very intriguing with Deshaun Watson with the receivers of course McCaffrey everything they have there they have the potential to be a very very explosive offense and if I'm Deshaun Watson I'm looking at Carolina seriously because I think they're it's not it's not far down the road to where you look at their roster and go hey, they can turn things around. There's a lot of pieces that are in place, and they could be a major player this year if they got a guy like Deshaun Watson on their football team at quarterback. The challenge for any of
1: the teams that pursue Deshaun Watson becomes how much of that roster do you have to give up to get Deshaun Watson? Is it draft picks? Is it players? Is it Christian McCaffrey? Is it Robbie Anderson, Peter King has a bunch of different proposed trade scenarios in Football Morning in America, and one of the trades he proposes is both McCaffrey and Anderson and picks for Deshaun Watson, which could put Deshaun Watson in a situation similar to the one that he's in with the Houston Texans, where there's not enough help around him to be as good as he can be. That's part of the challenge, And, and by the way, as Peter points out, so far the Texans have received offers. They have just not responded to any of them, so we don't know whether or not Texans are going to realize it's in their best interest to get the most they can for Deshaun Watson by the draft at the latest. Otherwise, who knows how this is all going to play out. But we're assuming that there will be an opening at some point as we have these conversations. And Chris, I want to go back to last year when they hired Matt Rule. David Teppard owned the team for a year and a half by then. Why didn't they aim higher at quarterback then? Why did they give so much guaranteed money to Teddy Bridgewater? Did they think they were getting a franchise quarterback? And by the way, when you consider, you know, McCaffrey
2: for most of the year, he wasn't a disaster. No, I know he was not a disaster. You're, you're right about that. No, but I still think in this league where, you know, David Tepper makes that great point, it is an eight and eight league and it is set up for everybody to be on the, the same playing field. And when your team is not quite perfect or anything like that, that's when the big time quarterbacks come into play. You know, hey, yes, it's a lot easier to manage and be a quarterback of a great football team, a la like the New Orleans Saints the year before with Teddy Bridgewater when he went 5-0. and But it's a different thing when, okay, we're young, we're kind of finding our way, our offensive line's patchy. Now we need a guy that can make a few plays every game where, you know, hey, the game's in the balance but we don't have anybody to kind of push us over the edge or, hey, get on my shoulders and I'll carry through, carry us through this moment in a big moment. Or we're, you know, going back and forth in a shootout like that. And I think that's where ultimately, you know, it came down on Teddy Bridgewater. There was just too many moments like that where it went the, the other way. It went the wrong way. It was like, okay, Teddy, we need you to make some plays here and do something. oh, he threw an interception. Oh, he fumbled. You know, it was too many of those moments, I think, through the year and – Mike, you know me, with quarterback, it's, it's not always about the stats and the bottom line. It's what's there to be had. And I think there's too many times when I watched film of Carolina this year where I went, yeah, he played well, but there was five or six plays that were there to be had that could have you know, changed the way that game went or Carolina could have won the football game. And there was just never enough you know, capitalizing on those moments. And that's where I think the you know the big time quarterbacks come through. And I of course I think Deshaun Watson and 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 I want to get back to like, you know, a little bit of Peter King with the wide receiver thing and all that. No. You know, trade draft picks Carolina Panthers. Trade picks, but don't trade Robbie Anderson or DJ Moore or any of those guys. That's part of why you want DJ, I mean, uh, Deshaun Watson there. He can take full advantage of all they have to offer. And I think that's where Teddy Bridgewater just is a little short in that department. He's not going to make some of those big, explosive throws to guys like Anderson and DJ Moore, who are more of the, you know, some of the most explosive receivers in our game right now. And this
1: constant chatter about McCaffrey. I mean, he's got to be wondering, what the hell did I do to deserve yeah, this? Right. Like, why am I getting thrown into this? Again, it started as a bold prediction, it morphed into something more than that because last week was 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 not an active week by any means. It yeah. was a challenge to fill three hours a day, two in the morning and one at night, but but there still was enough. But McCaffrey's got to be thinking, why? Why me? And the other reality, I just did the math here. If they trade McCaffrey, they're taking a $17.2 million cap charge Ooh. for trading him because they gave him a $21.5 million signing bonus when they signed him last year. And, and I can't help but wonder whether or not they're at least contemplating doing that because... I think McCaffrey was paid in part in part, because he was the new face of the franchise post-Cam Newton. And if you get to Sean Watson, he becomes the face of the franchise. And also, they saw last year when McCaffrey was injured, the, the team didn't fall apart. No, it did and, not. And, and it pains me to say it because yeah. we're big Christian McCaffrey we fans. Are. But I could see why they they would at least consider the possibility... Of dangling McCaffrey taking the $17.2 million cap hit. Next year, Deshaun Watson's salary is south of eleven million dollars. So you're looking at twenty-seven million in total cap dollars for those two guys. That that's that's doable even with the cap going down this year. But I, I I I'm just I'm fascinated by McCaffrey getting roped into this. First is speculation. Now Peter's got him as part of his trade proposal. And you have to wonder if the Texans do this, will they even want to pay a running back that kind of money? That's Nick a good question. Comes from New England, where what is it? It's four or five that. different guys. Right. You never, you never know who's on the field getting the right. football at any given time.
2: No, I, that's the to me that is the big point there too. Yes, does the other team or the Texans do they want to you know bring that that on and and you know this year is a perfect example too. Of course, like you said, you pay McCaffrey all that money. We're, running back is violent. We know that it's the most violent position of all sports, and. It's 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 two or three hits, and all of a sudden, hey, this guy's not here for nine, ten weeks, and we're paying him all this money. Now, where I find it interesting too, Mike, is just you know the the Carolina Panthers offense, Joe Brady, right? He came from that Sean Payton coaching tree, and all that. We know how much they value the back in the passing game. I I, I see that certainly, but I also think with a guy like Matt Rule and his, I, I think he has a very good eye for talent. I really do. Being in college football all those years, he's seen NFL, he's been back to college doing all that, building teams. He probably feels like, hey, I can find myself a running back that, a la New England or other places, where I can get, you know, maybe two guys for way less than the price it costs for Christian McCaffrey, and we can still make this offense work with Joe Brady. So that's where it will be interesting, and and, and I don't know where it goes, but. this is the last, the, well, not the last thing, the other thing I wanted to say. Just from everything I know, talking to people last week, all of that. I mean, the Texans are not even taking calls right now. The, the sense I get from people around the league is that th- there's nothing to talk about. They're, the Texans aren't like Nick Casario has, I guess, basically said, hey, you know, no, there's nothing going on. We're, ta- we're keeping Deshaun Watson. He's certainly done a good job of selling those you know, goods to everybody. But we know the reality of the situation is Watson doesn't want to be there. But I think there's a lot of teams that are just kind of sitting out there going, yeah, we'd love Deshaun Watson, but there's no dialogue right now. There's nothing going on. The Texans haven't moved that far, and that's, that's where we're at a stalemate, at least in this process.
1: And, and let's pivot to that yeah. aspect of it because I wrote something yesterday with the comments that Stephon Diggs made to us. Super Bowl week about what Deshaun Watson should do at this point because all it took was one very well-timed tweet last year from Diggs yeah. to get his trade out of Minnesota. And Diggs told us he doesn't need to do anything. The team knows. The team knows. He doesn't have to do anything. Well, the problem is the team's not acting on it. And I can't help but wonder whether or not at some point Deshaun Watson has to go full on, sit down, interview, public, I want out, I want out, I want out. I don't think it's enough for his personal quarterback coach Quincy Avery, to tweet after Carson Wentz gets traded, what's the criteria for a quarterback asking to get traded than actually getting traded, asking for a friend. The first time the phrase asking for a friend actually was asking for a friend. His friend is Deshaun Watson. He can't get traded. I think the criteria is, even though Carson Wentz didn't have to do this, I think for Watson, he's got to put pressure on them. I think one of the reasons they let J.J. Watt go was because they feared J.J. Watt putting public pressure on them and making them look bad. I think they need to fear that Watson is going to put public pressure on them and make them look worse than they already do. That may be the thing that's going to break this this logjam because, as you said, they're not picking up the phone. They're not responding to offers. They're not doing anything. I think Watson's got to do something short of holding out come July. Right. He's got to do something between now and then. to to really rattle them and really call them out and get into more detail. He talked late in the season about the culture and the things that need to happen. I think everyone needs to hear more from him, needs to hear his voice. I want out, and here is why. And I think that would help push this toward getting a solution. And I don't think he would come— away from it being viewed as a villain. I think a lot of people understand why he wants out. Yeah. I just think he's at the point where he needs to say so,
2: Chris. I think we're getting there too, Mike. I I, I would agree with that. Uh, I, I don't think it's in his nature, first off, right? I mean, we've been around him a few times. Uh, he's as nice as they come. They just He he couldn't be a nicer guy. He is literally the guy that you're like, wow, I wish my daughter could bring him home, right? I mean, and he could be like, he's he is almost... Just got such a great way about him. He really does, and I don't think he wants to ruffle feathers or make headlines you know, with bold statements and I want to get out of here because I think also he does like the city of Houston and all that. He doesn't want to disrespect those fans, but I think the time has come that he might have to start saying something, you're right, and applying the pressure, let it be known, maybe even let it be known a little dysfunction that you're unhappy with and get that out there. Yeah, I, I do. It is, it, like you said, it's much different than the when situation. The when situation, the city didn't even, I don't even know what the Philadelphia fans really wanted. I mean, they didn't want Wentz, so that wasn't really that hard. Watson is different. He is definitely one of the five, six best players in the NFL. And, of course, the fan base down there wants him. Uh, but you're right. I think the J.J. Watt thing, they were scared. He was kind of speaking out a little bit towards the end of the year. He was giving all those signals. And I think it's time Deshaun Watson, if he really wants out there and start to make moves and get this going, he probably is going to have to do that here soon too. It was a great item last week in The Athletic that
1: traced the 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 core of the, the acrimony, and it goes back to last year. DeAndre Hopkins gets traded. Deshaun Watson finds out on social media. Then Bill O'Brien tells Deshaun Watson he's going to be more involved in things. And then Cal McNair, after O'Brien is gone, he's going to be involved in the quarterback or the coaching search, excuse me. And it just, you know, one after another, oh, one these, after these another. P- promises are broken to right. him. And then he finds out about the Casario hire, that that hard turn to the left when they had a group of finalists and they go hire Nick Casario. He found out about that on social media as well. So that's part of why he feels the way he does. And 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 also another great item from that athletic article. He chooses to be stoic in the face of any and all adversity because he saw his mother handle cancer that way. Right. So that that's inspired him to always handle his business in a very even-handed, calm manner. And and I, I think that it would be a big deal for him to sit down and bare his soul about everything Agreed. that's bothering him. And and I think that he would like to think that you don't have to go that far to get what you want once you make it clear to the team that you're not showing up. So it may have to be his actions that do the speaking for him because there's a chance he he's just not wired to do what he may need to do to get a trade before he sits out training camp, preseason if there is one, regular season. As long as Dwayne Brown had to stay away before before he finally got traded in the 2017 season to Seattle, Chris.
2: Yeah, well, I, he, the McNair family or the ownership there, whatever, they, they haven't shown to be the most compassionate group in the history of football towards their players. I mean, I, that's, I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. It's the way it looks. I don't know what else to say. When Captain America, J.J. Watt, he starts thinking the the you know the organization is dysfunctional, then. I mean, he's another guy. I mean, that's not in J.J. Watts' nature to want to get out of a place and do that. That says it all right there. It's problems. You know, sound the sound the alarms. There's something wrong there. And I think with this Deshaun Watson thing, yeah, I don't – I mean, they don't seem – I know they want him as the player, but I don't know. Do they really care that he doesn't want to be there? I don't know. The McNair family seems a little insensitive that way to me. I'm sorry. So I think he might have to apply the pressure to get what he wants and really make it public and get out there. And I know it's not within, you know, like we talked about what he really wants to do. But yeah, you look at this right here. I mean, this is a lot of issues that a a, a franchise quarterback has had to go through. You know, Jamie Roots, the Palchik, Billy O'Brien, DeAndre Hopkins, Brian Gaines, let alone all the promises like you talked about that were broken. He has every right to not be happy being there. There is no doubt about that. Let alone, we know how people feel about the environment there and hey let's let's be honest I I think there's a lot of African-American players that aren't necessarily all that comfortable there for the history that's gone on with that Houston Texans football team and I think he's had enough and it's just you know at this point it's just when are the Texans going to start fielding calls or when is he going to get to them to finally just drive the nail home to go no I'm not coming back there's no way and you better make a move soon or I'm going to have to start making this a little ugly. And I'm going to have to start talking about some of these stories and making it public and letting it go from there. And I think that's probably going to be his only way out of there as it looks right now.
1: We had the list up compiled by Jeff Darlington of ESPN of just some of the individuals who have left the organization since Jack to be arrived and assumed a higher title and now currently is the executive VP of football operations. Others have been let go as well. And what do we hear constantly when it comes to these folks who have been let go? Culture, 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 culture. We have a new culture. Don't fit the culture, culture. Then you have a starting quarterback that doesn't want to be part of the culture, and he's made it clear, why do you want to keep him there? If you are so determined to change the culture and you have a guy who says, I don't want to be part of this culture. Why in the world would you keep him? Why in the world would you not give him what he wants unless, unless, and this gets back to 2017 and the catchphrase that will haunt this franchise for years to come, we can't have the inmates running the prison. And this is all just a power play to show the players that there are limits to what they can do and limits to what they can get. And if you want out, even if it's in our best interest to let you go, It's in our better interests to never show that the inmates are running the prison. And I'm concerned that's where this is coming from. And the culture that's being set there all traces back to Jack Easterby. And that's the other challenge for this team because I don't think his master plan included becoming a villain in Houston to the extent that he now is. Consider this tweet from Charles Robinson from over the weekend. Reserved for social distancing and anyone other than Jack Easterby. I mean, you're not supposed to know the name. The average fan is not supposed to know the name Jack Easterby. You're not supposed to know the executive VP of football operations. has no relevance whatsoever to the product. He's become so notorious in Houston. I don't know how this is sustainable, but it's sustainable because the person who's in charge of the team is stubborn and is dug in and is not letting go and is not going to let anyone tell him how to run his business. It's that simple.
2: Yeah, I I think that, uh, you know, and again, uh, Nick Casario, I look at him, you know, I got a lot of respect for Nick Casario, as you know, I worked with him up in New England. He's got to be wondering what the hell have I gotten myself in. That's what I was about to say. I mean, he, he, that, that, that to me is probably the reason, you know, there's a really concrete line right now in the sand, a concrete line in the sand, you know, that's hard to do, but you can do it. All right. But I think with that, <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. I like oh, that. Twenty seven that totally, <laughs> minutes. That's yes, good. We're back, baby. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but I, I I think he's probably like. Wait, I took this job because of this guy. You know, I just that's why I'm here. I, I thought we have this guy and I can build around him and do that. So I'm sure he's gonna exhaust every last avenue and every last thing he can do to make it work. But it just doesn't seem like there's anything you'd do at this point. From everything I know around the NFL, just nothing have I heard to just give me an inkling to think, oh, Deshaun Watson, he might crack and go back to the Texans. I don't get the sense of that from anybody. It is not going to happen. And I think if Deshaun Watson really wants to move this along and get in the place he wants to get and have the trade work out the way he wants it to work out, I would advise him to do it and get going now before, you know, too many chairs get filled through free agency in the draft. And then you might be really stuck in a spot where a team now is like, Well, we wanted you, but we made other we went to plan B. It was so long. And now we can't take you. So that's where I would go to him and, and his people around him and go, I, I think it's time to be, you know, aggressive now and start making moves.
1: That's the risk the Texans are taking, and they need to understand it. If they understand it, fine, but they go from a situation where they have maximum leverage because they can bring a maximum number of teams to the table, teams for which Watson would play. He's got to play ball with this because he's got the no trade clause, but five, six, seven teams, let's say. Yeah. And then you just work them against each other and get the best possible offer, period. The problem is, you're right, if they wait, the Panthers eventually are eventually going to say, screw this, we're going to make other plans. Other interested teams, screw this. Broncos, ah, we're going to make other right. plans. Dolphins, screw this, right. we're going to make other plans. And then you're down to one team. Exactly. And you're the Eagles trying to unload Carson Wentz at that point, and you got one team, which means you got no leverage. But now that doesn't mean that the Texans are going to get a third-round pick and a second-round pick that could become a first-round pick, but it does mean you're going to get a lot less than you would get if you would just accept it. See, Chris, I thought... I, my, my guess is, this is just a wild guess, and yeah. I base this on Casario's comments from the press conference introducing David Culley as head coach. There were a couple of questions posed about Watson, even though they surely wished there would have been zero, but Casario's answers made me think the door is open. It wasn't that line in the sand, concrete or otherwise. It was... More open-ended, right? What's the deadline for doing a deal, for example? Casario didn't say there's no deadline because we're not doing a deal. He just said we're taking everything day by day. Right. Which implies that, hey, one of these days they may get an offer that they can't refuse. And there was another question along those lines about whether or not they're taking a hard line. And he he never created the impression they're taking a hard line. There's a, a very good chance he's just in a box here because people above him in the organization are saying... You're not trading him. It You're not be. trading him, right? And 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 the challenge for him is to work through Easterby to get the message to McNair that it's in the best interest of the team to trade him now. And Easterby may be that firewall that Casario can't penetrate to change McNair's mind, and that's possibly why we are where we are.
2: Well, like, let me ask you this. I mean, do you? at some point, I would think the Texans got to look at this and go. Are we really doing our, are we doing ourselves a service or a disservice here by continuing to drag this on? You know, again, we're seeing the city, the city is dragging the team and the employees through the mud right now. I mean, they, they, they're, I mean, to have that there, like what Charles Robinson tweeted out, reserved for anybody social distancing, except if you're Jack Easterby, I mean, come on. You know, again, I think some of that stuff may would, would die down if this Deshaun Watson thing was handled or you get him out of town. Now, yeah, they're going to take, you know, a lot of crap and have to deal with it when they first trade him and people are going to, oh my gosh, you got rid of Deshaun Watson, blah, 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 blah. And they're going to have to take, you know, their blows that way. But I think after a week, 10 days, then at least it's finally done and maybe you can start moving the news cycle to something else. Like, hey, here's our new quarterback here. This is what we're doing. Blah, blah, blah. So how long do they want to keep you know, dragging themselves through this and with all the negativity and the people always on Easter B and everything like that. I think that's a real question for them, too, to, to go along with this.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I just think that the question ultimately becomes what is their objective here? Is the objective to send a message to anyone and everyone who may be paying attention, especially anyone currently in the locker room and who may be in the locker room in the future, that we can't have the inmates running the prison. If that's their goal, if that's the if that's the message, if they're willing to take a hit now in order to underscore that part of the culture of this team going forward is the employees just work here and they don't tell us how to run the business, we say how the business is going to be run. And maybe they have some regret for creating the impression that Deshaun Watson had a seat at the table. Maybe they never intended for him to think that. So now... The line in the sand, the concrete line in the sand is don't expect to have any say in what we do, period. You or anyone else who will be on this team in the future, that's how football here is going to go. That's the only way to make any sense of it. Otherwise, it makes no sense at all. And I'm no. not saying it's right. I'm just trying to understand why the hell they're being so stubborn when it clearly is against their interest once you accept the fact that... That he's never coming back. And I really don't think they believe. They know him better than we do. I really don't think they believe he's coming back. I think this is all about posturing for the battle that's to come when he holds out and doesn't relent. And they ultimately have to decide after sufficient financial blood is shed what they're going to do. And at the end of the day, they're going to have less. Than what they would have if they would just do the best deal they can between now and the draft.
2: But last thing I'll say, uh, but like the, the, this, this to me, you you said it already. If you could get Miami, Carolina, and Denver, those three right there, who really in a lot of ways are set up to, you know, they're not far off. Those are three teams I would look at and go, hey, when we have those teams every year, we go, well, they didn't make the playoffs last year. Well, this team's a playoff team. All three of those teams can be that team this year. I think we we would. I don't know if you agree with that, but I think Carolina's close. I'm not going to say they're definitely there, but I think they're close. You get Deshaun Sean Watson, maybe they are there. You know, the Denver, same thing. You know, their defense pretty good. We know the young receivers, all those type of things. Miami, they almost did make it. Man, those are teams that I would think would be very hungry, thirsty, whatever for Deshaun Watson. And you get those three bidden against each other. Let alone two. They have quarterbacks there that, hey, they can come to our team and at least, you know, be a Band-Aid for a year or do something like that. Uh, But that, to me, would be the best way for them to optimize totally for what they want to get for Deshaun Watson. If you got something like that going with those three type of teams that I feel like are, you know, arrow up and watch out this year, uh, they could really capitalize and and get the most for, for the value of Watson.
1: What about your 49ers? Do you I think know they're going to get in this? I, I, do you think and, and do you think do you think the Texans would want Garoppolo? I, w-
2: I would think so. I mean Jimmy Garoppolo is a good quarterback there there's no doubt about that. I, I don't look at him as a top 10 quarterback, but I think he's you know right on the outside of that for most people in the NFL. I think a lot of people look at him. He could be anywhere from 12 to 18 for a lot of people in football, depending on who you talk to or something like that. But I know Nick Casario would be a believer in him for sure. Uh, the injury thing is the thing with, with Jimmy Garoppolo. But, uh, you know, again, I don't know. And I'm, I'm like, swear to you on everything. I have no idea where Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers want to go. I do know he has tremendous respect for Jimmy Garoppolo and what he does for his football team when he is out there <laughs> and healthy. But hey, if Deshaun Watson if they finally start shopping him around and doing that you know yeah i would tell my buddy Kyle i'd go hey you're crazy if you ain't calling Houston right now let let's call Houston and let's see what's going on down there i think a lot of teams and those are the teams that make sense to me you know again the 49ers as we've talked about are a team that's ready now i mean how many more draft picks do you need I don't, you don't you got young guys you got everything really their team is about a little depth and that's about it everything's there so that would be a team I would look at, and and I would advise my friend or John Lynch or any of them to go go get him if he's available. Try to make it happen.
1: One of the trades proposed by Peter King in Football Morning in America entails Garoppolo to Houston, yeah, Kirk Cousins to San Francisco, and Deshaun Watson to Minnesota. Oh, my gosh. Say, oh. Peter, don't tease me like that. Not on a Monday morning. Let's you
2: you would drool. What would happen? Well, oh, my gosh. Well, I don't even know we'll what We'll discuss
1: happen. when we return some of the things that happened while Chris was in Cancun. More PFT Live. <laughs> How did you not get a tan in Cancun? We'll be back with more right after this.
0: <laughs> Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh,
1: And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer.
0: Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
1: One of the things that happened while Chris Sims was gone, Carson Wentz is gone. Traded by the Philadelphia Eagles to the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts get... Wentz, the Eagles get a third round pick this year and a second round pick next year that can become a first round pick if Wentz takes 75% of the snaps or 70% plus they get to the playoffs. Deal will be official March 17 at 4.01 p.m. Eastern. We must point out here that either team can back out before then, although that never happens. It still could happen and the time that we don't mention the possibility is the time that it will happen. Chris, what was your reaction? when you saw that the Eagles and the Colts had gotten this deal done?
2: Well, had a good sense. Like I had texted uh, Pete Demolaitis the night before that I, I had a sense he was going to be traded that next morning. So I, I was kind of expecting it a little bit. And, of course, I didn't 100% know it was the Colts, but I was led to believe it was definitely going to go down, and I thought it was the Colts. Just makes too much sense. I think the first thing I would say is just hooray for Carson Wentz. I think that's what I would say. I really would. You know, there's a part of me, yeah, I feel bad for the guy in a lot of ways. You know, he, he did do a lot of good things in Philadelphia. It was one of the tougher situations I've seen a young quarterback have to be in in a long time, really, to play the way he did in 2017, you know, put his team in position to be the number one seed in the NFC playoffs and doesn't get to capitalize, go to the Super Bowl and do all that. We know Nick Foles wins all that. So it's been, it's been tough sledding from him, really, from that point on. And there has been some good. Um, but I just look at it and go good for him because there still is big time potential in Carson Wentz. As we've talked about many times, 2017, he could have been the NFL MVP. 2019, we saw him carry a very average Philadelphia Eagles team into the playoffs. And it was it was him. There's Don't make any bones about it. It was him. So there is that aspect of it. And now he's in a place that believes in him he's got a coach that I know believes in him I mean is a huge fan of him in fact in that Super Bowl I'm on the field because NBC we're doing that right the Eagles Patriots game I spent 15-20 minutes talking to Frank Reich about how special he thought Carson Wentz was at the time and how he was a big believer in everything he did and you know to be a quarterback in this league Hey, that's a big part of it. It's just having people around you that believe in you to let you flourish to where you're not like, if I make a mistake, is everybody going to get on me? you got to be able to go out and play. It's not a perfect game. So for him, I'm happy. And then, of course, I, I think we're both in agreement here. The Colts are there. It's it's go time, baby. Let's go. And that's what I, I love for them. I mean, they're-, they're a Super Bowl team. They really are. There's really not any pieces on their team you look at and you go, oh, they need that. So from that standpoint, I'm very happy for Chris Ballard, Frank Reich, the Colts, Carson Wentz, a new fresh start, and we'll see where it goes. But I think it's it's got great possibilities there in Indianapolis.
1: Help me understand this other side of it, though, yeah. because Wentz does not come out of this relationship unscathed. No. Whether it was the reporting from early 2019 that he would later confirm the teammates found him aloof yes. and disconnected right. and not the best guy that he could be. And then last year, this sense of entitlement and this notion that he was rattled by the drafting of Jalen Hurts, not motivated the way we saw Tom Brady get motivated by the drafting of Jimmy Garoppolo and Aaron Rodgers motivated by the drafting of Jordan Love. Yeah. Carson Wentz got upset about it. And, and, and. There was a report last week from Shefty that Wentz and Doug Peterson didn't speak for weeks on end, 8, right. 9, 10 weeks. That's dysfunctional. How much of that sticks to Wentz? Because there's enough there that you could piece together and say, definitely, this, 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 guy, this guy has a lot to do with why it didn't work. And as Peter King likes to say, why is this guy entitled to to a starting quarterback job. No one's entitled to anything in the NFL. You have to earn it. And if you're not good enough,
2: you're not good enough. Right. Well, listen, they're all great points. There's no doubt about it. I think the first thing I would just go is he has enough tape out there for people to believe in him to where they go, whoa, here's four games in a row of special play. Here's five games in a row of special play. All of that. So I think there is that. Now, you know, I I don't necessarily love – when people compare it to the Rodgers and Brady situation. Hey, they're, they're first ballot Hall of Famers. We know who they are. They're on stable ground. They're legends. Wentz, the ground was just getting stable. I mean, he just was 2019. He carried in the playoffs. He got hurt, and everyone was just starting to go, hey, this looks okay. Maybe we are back with Carson Wentz. And then they draft Jalen Hurts. I mean, so that it wasn't the same situation as compared to those other two legends, at least in my eyes. I, I'll just say that. Now, as for him, no doubt. Guy's got to change a little bit. He's got to change. I, I do not disagree with that. He's got to embrace the city, embrace the media, and from everything I heard, just let his guard down. Like, you're not perfect. Just, it's okay. You messed up. You didn't play good. But it, there is certainly something there about him having a better balance of not just being, you know, the captain of the ship. You gotta be part of the crew too every now and then. That is part of being the captain of the ship. You see Tom Brady, you know, he hangs with the guys. He does little things to make them feel like, hey, yeah, I'm the boss here, I'm the man. You know, we're not gonna hang out and goof be goofballs all the time. But I will hang with you and have a beer or let's go get a steak and you know some fries, whatever else like that. And to me, that seems to be the element that's missing with Carson Wentz a little bit. It's just the accountability and the inability to maybe take blame at times. And you know me, Mike, I didn't like how he's so shut out from the world. He feel I felt like at times he didn't really realize what the talk and the conversation was around him in Philadelphia. You know, being a part of a quarterback, yeah, you got to block it out a little. I, I get that. But... You also got to be in reality and realize what's being said and what's being, you know, what's out there about you. And you have to try to mend those issues. You know, the, the perception becomes reality at some point. And I think that's the issue there, too. So hopefully, this is where Frank Reich and the team around him and maybe just in a new, fresh start can get him back on the right track in that direction. My conclusion ultimately was that Frank Reich is in a position,
1: unlike anyone else, to get to the bottom of what went wrong That's true, in Philadelphia. True. He could talk to Doug Peterson, yes. who got fired as a result of the way things fell apart. Right. He could talk to Press Taylor, who's on his staff now. My sense is, at some point, as they explored this trade, the Eagles authorized a conversation between Reich and Wentz to make sure that Reich is comfortable, that Wentz wants to be there. Right. All those things Reich was able to do to come to the conclusion that he can get the good Carson Wentz on the field in Indianapolis, not the bad Carson Wentz yes. that we saw in 2020. One of the reasons may have been 14 different combinations of offensive linemen. Right. You go to Indy, where they, they've still got to figure out what their plan is at left tackle with Anthony Costanzo retired, but it's a better offensive line, it's a more stable situation, it's a less aggressive media core, and it's a far less demanding fan base. And it could be the kind of stability that Wentz needs to get to where he was in 2017 2018 and 2019 there's this weird sense that he stunk in 2018 and 2019 he didn't stink no in 2018 and 2019 he just keeps getting injured and that tells me the Colts had better have another quarterback available as well in the event that Wentz does get injured Ben Roethlisberger before we take a break we got to talk about this because there was some news last week while you were off Kevin Colbert the team's GM non-committal about Roethlisberger I have a feeling this isn't going to end well. Nobody wants to be the villain. They want to find a way to back out of this. But I think for the Steelers, the analysis is very simple. We don't think the team around him is going to be good enough to justify continuing this another year. I think that's what they're trying to figure out. And if they think the team isn't going to be good enough, they're going to say, let's just go ahead and remove the band aid now. Let's take the salary cap hit and let's start planning for life without Ben. I,
2: I, I, it does. I hear you. I think there's, I, I see that as well. I, I can, first thing I would say is, I don't, I can't imagine Ben Roethlisberger. I don't think he's going to like shop himself and try to go play anywhere else. I always got the sense that it's going to be Pittsburgh or that's it and he's done. You know, I think he's very comfortable. He's not going to go learn a new system and an offense and do all that. We know that that's just not him. He just wants to play. He already knows his offense and he wants to just go. I don't think that's in in his DNA to want to do that. And I agree with you. Pittsburgh's in a tough spot here. And he is not the guy that you got to play a certain way with him right now at this point of his career. So, there has to be a certain support system there. And, yes, I think how they can figure out what they're going to do in free agency in the draft might dictate a lot about what happens with Big Ben because, yes, he's not going to carry a young squad or a bunch of new pieces and make that offense great by carrying them. That He's past that point in his career.
1: I just had a thought. we got to go to break. But Bruce Arian's giving his old pupil a call saying, come beat Tom Brady's backup and win another Super Bowl, and you'll be the young guy in the room <laughs> by about four or five years. All right, let's take a break. When we return, some news on the salary cap, where it currently is and where it is likely to end up and where it's not likely to end up. More PFT Live right after this. J.J. Watt. <laughs> trying to make it clear to people that it's going to take some time for them to find a new team. I scroll through DoorDash for like an hour before I pick a restaurant. You're going to have to give me a second to choose a new team in City. I, I think there's, there's more to it than that. The, the teams can't put meaningful offers on the table until they know what the salary cap's going to be. Chris, I, I said yeah. that from the moment that J.J. Watt got cut. Hey, he gets a 33-day head start on free agency. The problem is none of the teams interested in him will know what they can spend until they know what the cap is. Right Now, It's probably not going to go all the way up until March 17. Clark Hunt has suggested that it'll take that long. I think a week or so before the start of the new league year, we'll know the cap. Last week, the union and the league agreed to move the minimum from 175 to 180. I'm told 182, 183 is now the number to watch. Highly unlikely it gets to 185. And there's been a fight among the teams. The teams that planned for this don't want the teams that didn't plan to get saved. Yeah, And I was told yesterday, if it had been 175, it would be ultimate chaos as teams try to comply with it. And there was a very strong effort to lobby to get it higher so that teams don't have to slash and burn. And those teams with cap space could have sat back and said, Bring
2: them all in yeah. at bargain basement prices. Well, they're still going to, those teams that have managed the cap appropriately are still going to have a great advantage. You're right. But I think this does create a little less chaos, right? To where, okay, yeah, you know, $15 million, an extra $10 million on the salary cap, that allows them to keep an extra maybe two or three guys on the roster and, you know, stop that chaos. So we'll see where it goes. But I still think those teams like the Patriots and some of those others, they, they can really turn their team around this year. Yeah, but some of these other teams aren't going to be in quite the same
1: predicament no. they would have been, which is good for the league. It is. We it's want it better. to be right. a little more fair. We'll be right back.
0: Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.